The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the topic of doctrines of demons. The Apostle Paul addresses this. He brings this topic up in 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. He says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, we are not going to review the past two weeks. I would like to say that if you'd like to get caught up on this, you can go online, uh, www.cfcdl.org. Check out our media section. You can uh, get these videos there, or we can actually, our sound guys can get you a copy of the last couple of weeks. But what we talked about week one was a new gospel. We don't need a new gospel. We need the old gospel. We need the truth of Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about heresy and apostasy and what that looks like. And uh, this week we're going to uh, look at another deception that I think Paul talks about and I think has crept into our world. Um, remember when we talk about doctrines of demons, we're talking about what I think are very practical things that are, that are, are, are taken uh, off course. I've used this illustration several times and I, and I wasn't planning on using it this morning, but imagine if you will a boat. Uh, you're in a boat, and let's just say that you want to, let's just say that this is the boat right here. So this is the boat right here. Um, we want to get from this shore over to that shore on the other side. Now in this boat, we have four people. You have the guy in the back. You have a guy up front. And you have uh, two people on either side, and we're rowing this boat. But all of a sudden, we get halfway across the water, and everybody decides that they want to go in different places. The guy on the far side, man, his, he's fixed. He, his, his goal, we're supposed to get over there. That's where we're headed. We're headed for that pole. The guy in the back is not so sure. He's thinking that we want to go back over here. The guy on the left side really wants to go towards the back of the building. He's, he's headed off to the left. And the guy up front thinks, you know, that's really a good thing, but we, we probably should land on shore somewhere over here. The question is, who's the most dangerous person in the boat? Who's the most dangerous person in the boat? Is the guy in the back the most dangerous person in the boat? Well, not really. He wants to go back, and everybody else is kind of headed that direction. So he's got to pull hard. He's probably not going to win. The guy over here is fighting a struggle as well. He's trying to get that way. The most dangerous person in the boat is the guy who's sitting up front. The guy who wants to go the same direction as you, but just not quite. And if I were to, to define doctrines of demons, that's how I would define doctrines of demons. I would define doctrines of demons as things that look godly, we want to get from point A to point B. We want to make it look. It's not somebody who is going out and, and worshiping Satan. We're saying we're, we want to be a godly people. We want, to, we want to reflect Jesus. It's not the guy who wants to look like Satan. He's pretty much looking like the devil right from the beginning. He's not going to fool anybody. The one over here who wants to do this, the one, the one who is the most dangerous is the one who kind of wants to go God's way, but they kind of want to do it themselves. You ever run into those folks? Sure we have. Sure we have. When we talk about doctrines of demons, what we're talking about is, like we talked about last week, heresy, getting off balance, getting off base just a little bit. 
And that little bit takes us a long ways off. I want to be clear as we look at this topic this morning. I believe that uh, it is wrong, it is destructive for us to practice self-loathing. I don't think we need to to be in that category. I know we need to care for ourselves. We need to care about ourselves. We even need to love ourselves at some level, right? Right? Self-loathing is no good, right? I absolutely despise myself. I hate myself. I hate everything about me. That's, that's the guy at the back of the boat. But Paul talks about a people who are being deceived. He's talking about a people here who are lovers of themselves, like everything is about them. As he's talking about doctrines of demons, he's talking about people who love themselves. Listen to what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Now, as we read this, I want you to understand that I've been preaching for nearly 40 years, and probably the first time I ever preached on this would have been somewhere about 35 years ago, more than likely. And I remember thinking then, man, does this describe our day and age? People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient. Do you know how much worse we've gotten in the last 35 years? Do you know how much worse we've gotten in the last 35 months? you know how much worse we've gotten in the last three and a half months? Right? Look at the days that we're in. Look at the days that we're in. Paul says... There is going to be a people who are lovers of themselves, not, not just love themselves, not just want to take care of their body, not just want to take care of their soul, not just want to take care of their mind, but they're lovers of themselves. They're obsessed with themselves. They're lovers of money. They're boastful. They're proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Boy, I feel like I'm getting ready to go off and start preaching. Ungrateful. Ungrateful. Look at the whole, the whole movement of stuff that's going on around us. I say movement. Boy, that, that's kind of actually what it is too, is a, like a movement. Sports. You look at sports. These guys who are making millions and millions of dollars. There are about five people who caught that last joke, by the way. Go back and get the tape. You'll catch it. There are, there are millions of dollars and they're ungrateful for people who have paid their lives so that they could have that freedom. Look, you know, Zoe sent me something the other day. It said, if I want to get information from somebody who chases a, dog, a ball, I'll ask my dog. We don't, that's not how I'm going to govern my life, okay? People who are ungrateful. Here, he goes on to say not only is that ungrateful, there's a lack of gratitude. You look at, the, look at the riots that are going on around us. Look at the stuff. And folks, we're sheltered from it. We're really sheltered. We're in a wonderful place in our, in our nation. We don't see this stuff. But you drive in downtown Minneapolis. Talk to people who are out in, in Seattle. Talk to people who have seen what this rioting and looting. Talk to people who live in different areas of, of California where it's not even rioting and looting. People have just gone nuts. They're so self-absorbed. It is all about them. Disobedient to parent, ungrateful. Then he goes on, he says, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, 
having a form of, of godliness with a small g, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They, you think they've got it all together. Look at their life, man. They've got everything, and yet they've got nothing because they're lovers of themselves. Today, in churches all around the world, this doctrine of demons, I believe, has captivated many. There are so many churches, and their greatest commandment is no longer to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, but rather to love yourself with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. We've fallen into the trap that it is all about us. We've fallen into the trap that says, well, you just don't love yourself enough. Are you sad? You need to love yourself more. Are you angry? You need to love yourself more. Are you feeling convicted, ashamed, remorseful? You need to love yourself more. You're having a bad... Oh, you just need to love yourself. You've got all these problems. You need to love yourself more. It's as though loving ourselves is going to lead to some kind of fulfillment, is going to cover sin, is going to somehow make us whole. Let me ask you, when was the last time you were ever around a person who was totally absorbed and you felt like, man, that was a fulfilling and a rewarding time. I'm really glad I hung around with them. Boy, you know, it's just the life is all about them and I just, I feel so good. I just can't wait to get back together with them. Right? Not at all. Get me out now. I want to go. Not now. Right now. Get me out of here. I've had enough. Right? Think about it, though. Think about it. That's what we encourage, though. What really is, it's all about you. Yeah, it's all about me. No, it really should be all about you. No, it's really all about me. You you know, you got to love yourself. I love myself so much that nobody can stand to be around me. Right? We've fallen into that trap. I believe in many, many ways the church has fallen into that trap. Look, folks, I, I... I'm going to, again, just leave the notes behind. Churches have become this this place where you go and and everything's great as long as it's good for you. But as soon as it's not good for me, as soon as I'm inconvenienced, as soon as, you know, the worship team doesn't do it this way or they didn't shut the lights or they painted the wall that color, they didn't do it. Literally, as soon as we don't have Bible studies around this or Bible studies, we up and go. I've done missions trips to Haiti where, and I keep, going back to Haiti, but I've also done it in Mexico. It's the same thing. You get in these third world countries, and people, I've seen people walk to church, the church where they accepted Christ, the church where things were chaos at best. I mean, man, we sat in a church service one day in in, uh, 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 Port-au-Prince, and we're watching the worship team, and I'm looking at the bass player. The kid was probably, uh, I don't know, he was probably... 14 years old, and he's playing bass guitar, and I'm telling you, he is running up and down the neck of that bass guitar, and I'm thinking, man, he is really going, and I realized he's only got three strings on his bass guitar. That's why he's going every place. He's got to hit every note. They've only got so many of them. I can't use that upper string. They're gone. Do you know what we do in a church service like that in the United States? <laughs> Good night. They can't even afford guitar strings. We're going. We're out of here. Right? <laughs> I got pulled out of a service one time. 
in Haiti by the pastor. Everybody's upstairs singing. I mean, they're going to it. They're, they're going. They're, they're singing. They're worshiping the Lord. Church had gone from 30 people up to 300 people. People are standing outside. It's 90 degrees. They're standing outside, baking in the sun, worshiping the Lord. They're on a hill. Backside of the hill got dug out underneath the church for children's ministry. And while they're upstairs worshiping, there's dust and rocks from that concrete floor that are falling where these little kids are down there worshiping the Lord. Now you had a had an opportunity. You, through this church and some others, actually raised the funds to put a ceiling in that place out of concrete so that it doesn't cave in. But they were so bent on worshiping the Lord, so selflessly giving themselves to the Lord that they were, they were standing there when the roof was literally ready to cave in. A concrete roof was re- literally ready to cave in on them. We are so blessed in this nation. We are so beyond blessed that we don't even know what it means to have to sacrifice. We don't understand what it means to have to give of ourselves. And Paul says, there's going to come a day when even this doctrine of selfishness is going to creep into the church. Beware of that. Beware of that. culture that we live in, we actually promote this doctrine over and over and over again. We promote self-love and self-absorption, and it has led to the most rebellious and offendable group of people that I've ever seen in my life. And I think most of us would agree with that. I'm sure other times in other cultures we've had the same thing. But here today, people are so easily offended. We can't even disagree. We can't even, we can't even agree whether 50, if 50 degrees warm or is 50 degrees cold. Well, if you ask me, it depends on if it's spring or fall. Okay? But if we have to have that kind of delineation, somebody's probably going to leave the church. His pastor said that 50 degrees was warm and it was a beautiful day. Huh, I can't believe it. Now that sounds silly. Okay? But it's just about that silly. We get offended just about that quickly, just about that easily in our culture. Even though Jesus himself, Jesus said this. He said, if you want to be one of your disciples, all you got to do is love yourself if you want to be one of my disciples, right? You're confused. Jesus said, if you want to be one of my disciples, all you got to do is love yourself, right? No! Mark chapter 8, starting verse 34. Then he called the crowd along with his disciples, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross, follow me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel... We'll save it. We were in Haiti. I took my brother-in-law with me. He didn't recognize when I met Pastor Leslie as we're getting through the airport. You can't believe the chaos. Even if I told you about it, you wouldn't be able to quite gather it up. We hop in a vehicle. He's thinking to himself, he's leading us to our death. 
He didn't know who I was with. We, it was, we pull up in front of this big building. This is where my lost luggage got to. He's in an absolute panic. He's in the car. He's, he's thinking to himself, we're going to die. You're going to go in there, and you're not coming out. You're going to die. This is bad. This is really bad. This is really bad. And he said, as I sat there, I thought to myself, you know what? I've often said if I was going to die, I want it to be for the sake of the gospel. So if this is how we go, I'm willing to go. Now, that was something that I had already had arranged and had figured out. He just didn't know about it. But look, folks, Jesus said whoever wants to save their life will lose it. That doesn't sound like everything gets to be my way. Whoever loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel will save it. What good is it? Jesus said, Jesus said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for the soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes to his Father's glory with his holy angels. Jesus said, if you want to live a fulfilling, a rewarding life, if you want to really be my disciples, it's going to cost you something, and you need to lay down your life. Now when he says that, he doesn't actually tell us how. He says you must deny yourself, deny yourself. What does that mean, deny myself? And all we can really do is look at what the scripture says because he doesn't say deny yourself by not watching TV, deny yourself by not eating red meat, deny yourself by going. He doesn't say what denying yourself is except in this context. He says it means to to lay deny yourself by picking up your cross and by following me. By picking up your cross. So if you look at Christ, if you look at the crucifixion, do you think that is a, a perfect picture of Jesus being a lover of himself during that time? Not really, right? You don't pick up your cross ever because you just love yourself and you just want to have a great day. And Jesus says, this is a doctrine, Paul says, this is a doctrine of demons that's crept into the church. It's a doctrine of demons because it's so subtle. It's so subtle. It's so subtle. We want to get from point A to point B, but as long as we're going that way and church is about me, it's okay if I end up over here. But the reality is we miss the landing zone entirely. We do not become disciples of Christ. Instead, we become casual followers. Here's the problem with just being a follower of Jesus. Go ahead and read the accounts of his crucifixion. He had thousands of followers, lots of followers, right up until the time that they took him into the courtyard. And then all those followers fell away. I know that over the course of the last 30 years, the word disciple has kind of become kind of a, you know, uh, disciple. But really what we need to be is disciples, disciplined believers, discipled, following after Christ. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, 
take up their cross and follow me. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to follow me. And again, the, the devil would love to just put a little spin, just a little, just take us a little off track. Listen to what um, John Piper wrote. Now, John Piper is a retired Baptist pastor. He wrote this in an article of Christianity Today. He says, for the last 10 years, the cult of self has been expanding at phenomenal speed and its professional members take every chance they can to put a mirror in front of us and tell us tell us to like what we see. Let me read it again. For the past 10 years, the cult of self has been expanding at a phenomenal speed and its professional members take every chance they get to put a mirror in front of us and tell us to like what we see. Well, I know that you sin a little bit, but that, that's okay. Because, sure, you sin a little bit, but it, it's, it's really all right. You, you're, you, you, you're, you do okay most of the time. When I got saved, folks, I used to think to myself, sure, I, I, I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. Okay, that's a flaw. And I smoke a little bit too much pot, probably. And the hash thing is probably a little too much. But basically, I'm a pretty good person. What does the Bible say God's going to do with somebody who's basically a good person? Spit him out of his mouth, right? Right? Basically, I'm a good person? Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's any encouragement in becoming a believer, if there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's any encouragement from being a disciple, if there's any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Do nothing out of selfish conceit. Nothing. Do you... On a personal note... I have to check my heart almost every week when I get up here. It is so easy for me to think, man, I just had them all wrapped right in the palm. Man, I just had, they were right. It's so easy for me to think, Lord, I need great illustrations so that people will, why do I do what I do? We have to judge that. I have to judge that. I say, God, I don't want to do it out of my selfish anything. I don't want any part of this. It's not about me. In the later part of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is talking about freedoms that believers have, and he says this, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Look, we live in a world that wants to seek our good, our, our, everything about us. And Paul says, the real church 
is going to be out serving others. The real church, the real followers, my real disciples are going to be out picking up their cross and laying down their lives for others. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We, we don't get to just look in a mirror and go, man, don't you, you really, you're really good. Man, you did a great job today. If I'm not reflecting Christ in what I do on a daily basis, if I'm not reflecting Christ, if I'm not reflecting Christ, what did Christ do? What does that mean to reflect Christ? I lay down my life, I sacrifice, I give, I don't necessarily sleep. Okay, in the scriptures, there are, I think it's 57 one another's in scripture, right? Anybody remember a one another? What are the one another's in scripture? Love one another, what else? Esteem one another, what else? Serve one another, what else? Honor, pray for, lay down your lives for. How much of that is about me? None. Church, anytime we get wrapped up in this thing where it's all about me and it's not about the body of Christ, if it doesn't doesn't do that, it's reflecting us. It's not reflecting Christ. If it's not reflecting Christ, we're following after a doctrine that's going in scary territory. Right? You see, the Bible is also a mirror. When I read Scripture, when I read Scripture, there's a mirror. There's something that reflects back. And generally, I don't look so good according to Scripture. Right? Scripture points out my flaws. Scripture points out my weaknesses. Scripture points out things in me that I don't like. And I've got a choice. I can either go to the foot of the cross and say, God, I need your help. Or I can turn to a world system and say, you know, 8 out of 10 isn't bad. It'd be more like 8 tenths out of 10 if you really get honest. It'd actually be less than that because the Bible says, in me there is no good thing. We want to run from that. I'm, I'm, when the Bible reflects blemishes, when it reveals flaws, when it reveals sin in our life, far from re- repenting this, this love of self allows us to just be self-absorbed, allows us, allows us the opportunity to say, well, those people are just judgmental. God's just critical. The, the spirit, I, I don't, I don't I, that's not what I want in my life. And, and you say to yourself, if I have to lay down my life for Christ, that's not a very good evangelism program. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go out to all the evangelism, you know, all the evangelism courses and go, hey, you know what, really, you get to accept Jesus and life is good, but you've got to lay down your life. You've got to pick up your cross. There's going to be some self-denial. Things aren't always going to go your way. But here's the deal, folks. We are far better off to tell people the truth 
and let them make a decision based on truth than we are to lie to them, suck them into the church, get them going, and when everything doesn't work their way, they decide they're going to walk away from God because that's not what... You told me it was going to be different than this. I remember when my oldest son started having seizures and was in the hospital. And my brother came up to the hospital. And he just stood behind me and put his hand on my shoulder. And we're huggers, we're kissers, none of that happened. He just stood there and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, nobody said that this was going to be easy. Nobody said that this is going to be easy. Sometimes, sometimes we need a brother in the faith that's just going to stand behind us, a sister in the faith that's going to stand with us and say, nobody said this is going to be easy. We're not promised easy. We're promised that Jesus will walk through it with us. But it is not about the easiest life for us. What makes it easy? And can I tell you, as the days go on, the Bible says it's going to get darker. And when it gets darker, it doesn't generally get easier. Right? Ask anybody who's ever walked through a living room in the middle of the night with the lights off trying to get to the bathroom and you stub your foot. It's not easier in the dark, right? It can even be kind of painful in the dark. We need to follow after that truth. And here's the deal. Truth can be offensive. Truth can be offensive. The reality of hell, admitting of sin, the judgment of God, allowing Jesus to actually change us A lot of people would rather look in some kind of a... Okay, so I'm watching Shark Tank a while ago. And this guy comes, this gal comes on with a mirror. And this mirror is guaranteed. They're trying to sell this mirror to all of the clothing stores. Because this mirror will make a woman look good. And so the guy gets up and he's like, okay, what are you saying? She's like, well, we've specially designed this, and blah, 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 blah. And so when she stands in front of the mirror, it makes her look slimmer from right here down. And he says, so you're lying to her. Well, no, it's a circus mirror. You want to make you feel good. But you're going to get home and stand in front of your mirror and go, hey... I gained 20 pounds between the dress store and home. What happened? You want to sell them on a lie. You want to sell them on a lie. And, and everyone, I kind of like watching Shark Tank. Every one of them still like, I will not support this based on the fact that you're trying to lie to people to sell them your goods. People don't like to hear about sin. They don't want to change. They would rather go to a book that says, if you just love yourself, everything will get better. And live in a deceived, non-gospel, doctrine of demon world because I don't have to deal with my own sin. There's coming a day when we're going to have to deal with our sin. Right? 
There's coming a day where we're going to have to stand before the Lord. We're not, we don't just get to go, well, you know, Johnny told me that I had to do, my dad said, my sister said, my wife was, you're going to stand before that. I'm going to stand before that. Demonic doctrine is always going to focus on ourselves. And here's the reality. It's always going to draw large crowds. I just want you to understand. I said this before. I'll say it again. I'm not at odds. We're not at odds with any church in town. God bless them. They can draw as big a crowd as they want. I hope the gospel is preached in every pulpit in town. I, am not, I don't care about that. What I care about is the fact that we preach truth. And people need to hear the truth. You and I are humans who struggle with sin. We got to deal with that. We got to deal with that. We don't like to hear about sin. We don't want that, so we're going to run to places. The, Paul says they're going to gather around them teachers who just tickle their ears and tell them everything is okay. And guess what? Everything's not okay. We live in a fallen world. We want to have our, our spiritual ego stroked. We want to hear about how great our faith is. We want to hear great sermons rather than using that word, that sermon that's preached, and using faith to change our life. We just want to hear happy sermons. Sorry, you came to the wrong place again. It's like four weeks in a row. Twelve years in a row. People don't want to hear sermons about sin. They don't want to hear that we need to repent. They don't want to hear that there is a judgment that's coming. They don't want to hear that there's heaven and hell. Oh, we want to hear about heaven. Paul told Timothy, that's exactly what they're going to do. 2 Timothy 4, 3, for a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Man alive, if you don't put up with something, don't put up with false doctrine. He's saying there's a time coming where people won't put up with sound doctrine. They preach over there that if you sin, you're going to go to hell. I want to go over here where it's unicorns and butterflies. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. This not only you know, appeals to our carnal nature, but it, it promotes um, and almost gives like this biblical approval for people to just walk away when the truth is, is hard. Biggest church in America, their motto is discover the champion within you. You know what? I tried that for 18 years. He ain't much of a champion. Romans 8.31 says, If God is for us, who can stand against us? God is the champion in me. I got nothing. Trent, I ain't got nothing. The greatest thing I got within me is lies, deceit, hurts. I, listen to what John says in 1 John. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see that they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. Okay, I'm going to explain this. John is now an 80-year-old man. He really does not give a fly and rip what anybody thinks about him at this point. He is just laying it out. 
He walked with Jesus. He saw people, he saw his buddies get executed. He saw Jesus get crucified. He's walked through it. He's seen it. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is even now and and even now is already in the world. He's saying the spirit of Antichrist is nothing new. It's been around. That spirit's here. Not looking for the Antichrist, but there's an Antichrist spirit that just simply will not, that will not accept that Christ is God and that he is the Messiah and that he is the deliverer and that's his ways. His, he wrote the book. You, dear children, are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Not me. I'm not greater than the one who's in the world. I got nothing. But Christ in me is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore they speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. Take this in, folks. Take it in. Read it slow. There are many false prophets out there. Test test what you're hearing. Because if the world loves it and if the world flocks to it, it's probably not God. If the world loves it and if the world flocks to it, there probably is something in there that is actually anti-God. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You're so great, man. There's so much good in you. Man, everything about you is so great. And, and, and there's just a champion inside of you. I go back to that throwing up thing a lot. Because that's the world around us. And if the world is flocking to that, if they're not challenged to lay down their sin, if they're not challenged to turn from their wickedness, if we're not challenged to grow in Christ, then it's probably not God. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Paul's not saying, well, Pastor Tim, you get up and preach and anybody who listens to you because you recognize God, anybody who listens to you is from God and anybody who doesn't listen, baloney, that's a bunch of hooey too. I'm not saying, Paul is saying they recognize our words. They recognize the gospel. They recognize the truth that Paul is declaring. They recognize it's not about me. It's about his word. Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? John says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It's not about me. Fifty plus times there are all these one another's, love one another, pray for one another, lay down your life for one another. It's got nothing to do with me. If I'm going to coddle myself, if if I want to just be all about love, 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 it's all about loving myself, loving myself, loving myself. There's no room for God in there. I think we do need to love ourselves. I do think we, we're created by God. He's, he's, he's working in our hearts and our lives. But we've got to recognize anything that's good comes from Him. Anything that's good comes from Him. Hudson Taylor was a British missionary to China. 
He knew he was called to China by the time he was 17. He established the China Inland Mission. If I remember right, there were some 50 or 60 mission posts that he established. Literally led millions of people to Christ. But you know what he discovered? Very shortly going in, very shortly after he was there, he realized that as much as he knew the gospel, as much as he knew God called him there, as much as he knew these people needed him, he couldn't get one convert until he changed out of his English duds. He had to get rid of all of his English clothes because he went in like the preacher who knew what he was doing. You know what he did? When it really started to work for him was when he began to wear Chinese clothes. And you say, well, what difference does that make? Here's what difference it makes. If it's all about him, he's going to wear what makes him look good. But as soon as he has to lay down his own preconception and he's not going to be the big man on the block, he's going to lay down his life and he's going to do what it takes to minister, all of a sudden he changes his clothes and the ministry flourishes because of it. What do we need to change? What's in our life that we think is so grandiose? The emphasis is on the one who lives in us, not us ourselves. The gospel wasn't written to praise you or to praise me. The gospel's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is. It's about a holy God who would stoop so low to show us, uh, us his love that he would, he would actually take on the form of humanity. And then he'd go to the cross and pay the price for us. I'm going to close with this. I recently read a book and I'm going to be preaching on it in the near future. But the author got this point really, really right. He said so many times in the church or in Christianity, we talk about, about uh, how, how, how much God is for us, God is for us, and he just loves you just the way you are, and that's all true, there's, there's, there's a truth to that. But when the gospel becomes all about us, you will inevitably fail. You will inevitably fail. The, the, the gospel's not about how good you are. The gospel reveals our sin. That's what it does. So many times in Christianity we say things like, well, you know, God's got such a great life for you. He's got such a great life for you. And that's, that's true. Because he does. We've got joy, unspeakable. We've got peace. We've got, we've got compassion that comes. But, but he's changing our lives. So not only does God have a great life plan for us, but I think if we get our heart really right, what we're going to say is, God, i got a great life for you to use. It's not about, not about you having some kind of great big plan for me. It's your plan. I got a life. I'm willing to lay it down. You can use it however you want to. I got a great life to use for your plan. I got a great life to you. Please use me somehow, some way, some shape. It's not about us. And as soon as we wrap the gospel up in this nice little package that says, oh, it's all about Leroy and Bobby Joe. Oh, it's all about Tim and Ned. Oh, it's all about, it's about this person or that person. Blah, 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 blah. It's not about that. The gospel is about Christ in us, the hope of glory. And he's going to change us from glory to glory. He's going to move in our life. He's going to work in our life. He's gonna, you're going to say to yourself after you, man, alive, I thought I was doing okay five years ago, but man, you should see the change in my life now. 
And people around you should go, I don't know who you are. I remember you back. You are different from, there's something that's happened in you. Yeah, I love myself now. No. No, God's dealt with the sin in my life. I'm no longer an arrogant jerk. How about that? So I'm a sinner. I'm sitting on a fence. I got a buddy who's so full of himself, nobody can stand him. Okay? That's high school days. Hey, you got a cigarette? I'm like, yeah, I do. Well, how about bumming me one? Like, I thought you quit. Well, yeah. Oh, I said, so you quit buying and you started bumming. Well, so I go to light my cigarette. And he reaches for it to take it out of my hand. And as the cigarette hits the ground, I stepped on it. And I took another one out of my pocket. Well, he's down there looking. I took another one out. You see, I was a jerk, Leroy. I was a jerk. There's no good thing, no good thing in me. I maybe saved his life. Maybe no, he didn't have cancer. That might have been a good thing. There's garbage in us. There's no good. I used to, oh, I'm better than he is. God wants to transform us. And he's going to do it through his word. And we look at his word and we go, oh, man, that's ugly. Man, I got bitterness there. I got hatred there. Unforgiveness there. And I can either run and say, it's going to be all okay because I just love myself. Or I can deal with that and let God's spirit deal with that and change me from glory to glory and become a disciple of Christ. Become a disciple of Christ. Paul gives a warning in 2 Timothy. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers recalling your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Eunice and your, in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded lives in you now. For this reason I am reminded, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For the spirit of God Gave, uh, the, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power and of love and self-discipline. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time but now it has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel of this gospel I was appointed a herald and I'm an apostle and a teacher that is why I am suffering as I am yet this is no cause for shame because I know in whom I am believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard that good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Paul said there's trouble coming. There's trouble. 
Endure sound doctrine. Endure it. Hang on to it. Hang on to it. Hang on to it. Let the Word of God change you and transform you and bring hope and life and charity and goodness and peace and joy and be a dispenser of that. Hang on to sound doctrine. Amen? God, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your life. I thank you for your Word. I thank you, God, that you point out the fact in your Word that it's easy for us to get sucked aside. It's easy for us to, get, get, to just drift a little bit these doctrines of demons that come in and they sure look like the gospel but they're just a little bit off. And you warn us here in your word, hang on to sound doctrine. Hang on to sound doctrine. If it's given for reproof and rebuke and correction and righteousness, hang on to that. God, I pray that you'd move in our lives. Move in our lives, God. Draw us into a closer walk with you. Help us to reflect Christ in us and not that selfish, old, carnal nature. Help us to lay that down and become more like Jesus every day. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great, great weekend. Enjoy the sunshine.